Good morning and happy Sabbath. It is always good to be back here. Before I begin, let's have a short word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God of creation, thank you for all the gifts you have given us, like food and sustenance that keeps us strong. Thank you for your Sabbath, a day to come together and, and spend with you. God, I ask your Spirit come upon us now. Give us wisdom, give us guidance to understand what you want us to hear today. In your name, amen. When I was about five or six, my family moved from one house in our town to another. It was an exciting time for my sister and I. When we were little kids, we'd watch our house getting built, get to plan our rooms, choose our carpet color. That's always fun for a little kid. You get to move everything in, getting settled, the idea of going someplace new, coming into a new home, a home that would become our, our residence for the next 12 years or so. There was just one slight hiccup. For some reason, and I talked to my parents about this and never could quite figure out exactly why, the cable company didn't hook up the cable right. So we had to spend the next two or three months without TV. Now for a six-year-old, that's a, that's a problem. Weren't sure how to handle that. We're like, two, three months without TV? How are we going to survive? Well, it turns out we did survive. In fact, my, my parents survived so well, they said, you know what? Let's forget it all together. That really made my sister and I mad. The funny thing is, though, we learned to cope. We discovered there's things outside, despite the fact it rains 365 days a year. There's... We explored the woods, I would play basketball outside or some other sport, play with the dogs, we read a lot. We found other ways, probably more constructive ways, of filling our time than simply watching TV. We discovered a very simple principle through all this. Sometimes, less is more, which is what we're talking about today, the subject of fasting. Now, before we proceed, as an academic, I believe very strongly in giving credit where credit is due. Much of this material for today's uh, discussion is coming from a celebration of discipline by Richard Foster. I don't know if any of you have read it. I know a couple years ago in the young adult group, we went through the book. Uh, it outlines about 12 or 13 major spiritual disciplines, things like meditation, prayer, study, fasting, giving, fellowship, and so on. It's a fantastic book that I would highly recommend to anyone who really wants to strengthen their walk with God. And so today, I'm drawing a lot of material from, this, from his chapter on fasting. Now, when we think of fasting, a lot of us, we, don't, we have kind of mixed feelings for it at best. It's that fasting is something that, in our modern era, kind of has a bad reputation. And so when someone says, hey, I think I'm thinking of doing a fast, or someone says, hey, let's do a fast, we tend to kind of like, wait a minute, uh, that's uh, not cool. Uh, it, it just, we don't like it. Fasting's kind of weird. One of the reasons we don't like fasting is we immediately think of, like, we're supposed to eat. We need food to survive. That's where we get the energy to carry on. So isn't going without food unhealthy? And in extreme cases, yes. I mean, if you're doing a 40-day, 60-, 70-day fast, which I don't recommend, yeah, that's probably not great for your health. That's an extreme case, similar to what the uh, ascetics of the Middle Ages would practice. 
part of their self-mortification practices like flagellation where they would whip themselves. Uh, some would crucify themselves temporarily, uh, stand out in snowstorms to freeze naked because reasons. Uh, that kind of fasting is unhealthy. Don't, don't do that. But a three or four day fast actually can, is not only not unhealthy, it can actually be good for our health. It gives our body a chance to purge and get rid of the toxins that, and garbage that we accumulate through what we consume in our modern diet. I, have, uh, I had friends in high school and in college who before about a week or two before finals would actually start a fast and carry it through finals. Uh, those who do fasts up to 10 days uh, say that about days, between about days 7 and 9, your mind is actually really sharp and really clear. And you have this really strong mental acuity. And so some of my friends would actually fast to hit that 7 through 9 day period right during finals. I never did it, but they say it works, so I trust their, trust their experience. Another reason we don't like fasting is something I've already mentioned. It's the, the bad reputation that the aesthetic practices of the Middle Ages have given it. Again, we're not talking about... When the Bible talks about fasting, only in very rare instances does it talk about an extreme fast of you know, several weeks to 40 days. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Moses fasted for 40 days. Elijah fasted for 40 days. But in, those are very rare circumstances. Most fasts the Bible talks about are only three to four days at most, usually just a single day. But if we're really honest with ourselves, the real reason we don't like to do fasts is we like food. And let's be real. Food is as much, about, as much ingrained in the fabric of American society as the flag, probably more so. And let's think of our major holidays. New Year's, Easter, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Christmas. These all, all these holidays, none of these holidays are fast days. In fact, most of these holidays are centered around a major meal. I mean, Thanksgiving which is my favorite holiday for entirely different reasons, but let's be honest, Thanksgiving is basically the National Day of Gluttony. Christmas isn't much better. We open our presents in the morning and then we spend the next three hours eating. New Year's, we celebrate with uh, a late night meal. Cele- you know, we all get together, share food, snacks, watch the ball drop or whatever. Summer holidays like Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July especially, what do we do? We have a cookout, right? And let's not forget Halloween. Halloween is literally a search for food, specifically candy. And on Easter, we go hunting hard-boiled eggs. I mean, (laughs) all of our major holidays revolve more or less around food. Fast food, the fast food industry is one of the largest industries in this country. You drive around, you see more Taco Bells, Burger Kings, McDonald's than you do pretty much anything else. With the possible exception of gas stations, which of course sell a lot of food. This may explain why two-thirds of Americans, adult Americans, suffer from obesity. And why it's something that is called an epidemic in our nation. We like food. We don't want to go without. And yet, as, we, as we're going to discuss today, Less, sometimes, often, is more. Going without is often a good thing. In the Bible, 
fasting is an essen- it comes across as an essential spiritual discipline. As Richard Foster notes, the list of people who fast in the Bible is basically a list of all the spiritual giants. We got Moses, we got Daniel, David multiple times. Job probably fasted. Uh, you have Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther. Jesus fasted, obviously. His disciples fasted at various points after he went, uh, after he went up to heaven. The nation of Israel fasted on uh, numerous occasions. Paul fasted shortly after his conversion. The New Testament church fasted a couple times, uh, right before they sent people out on missionary journeys. You go on to the early church fathers, whether it was Irenaeus, Justin Martyr, Origen, Augustine. They all fasted. Wesley, Calvin, Luther, they fasted. Ellen White fasted, as did Joseph Bates and many of our Adventist forebears. Fasting seems to be an integral part of the followers of God's spiritual walk. Now, unlike other disciplines like giving or prayer or Bible study, fasting is never explicitly commanded, except in one instance. The Day of Atonement was a national day of fasting yearly. That's the only con- uh, consistent, repeated, ritualistic fasting in the, entire, in the entire Bible. Other than that, people seemed to fast kind of when they needed to. It wasn't as consistent as Bible study or prayer. At the same time, fasting is never condemned either. It's never pushed aside, obviously, because so many of these people fasted. Something that's interesting to note from our scripture this morning is that Jesus says, when you fast. Now, he doesn't say, if you fast. Neither does he say, you must fast. He just simply says, when you fast, as if it's assumed that you're going to fast. In another instance, Jesus and his crew are, having a, are hanging out at a banquet with some people, and they're enjoying, the, they're enjoying the feast, and some fellow rabbis come up to Jesus and disciples and say, hey, how come you guys don't fast? We and our disciples fast. John the Baptist and his disciples fast. Why don't you guys fast? Jesus replied, he said, when the bridegroom is, when you cannot make the the guests of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is present. But there is coming a day when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus seems to be pointing, looking forward to a time when his followers will fast, a time after he goes back to heaven. Now Now some commentators suggest that this particular point of fasting is between Friday and Sunday when Jesus was in the grave. This is probably not true for a couple reasons, mainly because Jesus refers to himself being taken away as going to heaven on multiple occasions all the way up to the book of Acts. Secondly, the church in the New Testament in Acts fasted, so they, they fasted after he left. So that's probably what he was referring to. So there seems to be an assumption in Jesus' mind, at least, that his followers will take time for fasting. So why fast? What's the purpose of it? What's the meaning of it? As Foster states, he said, Above all else, fasting must be centered on God. It must be done for the purpose of connecting with and submitting oneself to God. You don't fast just because. You don't fast just to do it. You don't fast because you're supposed to do it. This is the problem that the Pharisees particularly, but really all the Jewish sects of Jesus' day had fallen into. They fasted because they just thought they were supposed to. So they would fast two days a week, usually on Wednesdays and Fridays, 
which happened to be market days. And so they'd walk around the market conspicuously not buying anything. The idea of showing off, the demonstrating that, hey, look at me, I'm so holy, I'm fasting. They fasted simply because it was that empty, literally and figuratively, pointless ritual that God cringes at. In the medieval church, the ascetics fell into the same trap. There was a loss of genuine connection, of personality, personal relationship with God, both in the Jew, or, uh, first century Jewish faith and in the medieval church. And so to replace that, both, both parties replaced that genuine connection with God with what Foster calls these outward displays of piety as if somehow that would make an adequate substitute. So they tried to do everything they could to show how humiliated they were before God, how submitted they were before God, without having any connection. And as Foster notes, when there is a... When, there is a, when spirituality is... Or when, it's, when practices are devoid of genuine spiritual connection, law takes over, and it is manipulative and demanding. And so you had aesthetics who would go 40, 50, 60 days without food. Why? Just because. Trying to show off. Trying to show, at least if nothing else, show themselves, prove to themselves that they were devoted to God because they didn't have that genuine connection. It wasn't good for their health. So, if you're going to fast just because, don't. You're wasting everybody's time. Especially your own. Fasting is done to connect us to God. This is why Jesus says, look your best when you fast. Don't let people know, because it's not their business. It's your business and God's business and no one else's. And if you let fasting become a badge of honor, you've completely missed the point. Something else fasting does is that it shows us where we're messed up. Has any, any of you else noticed that when you're hungry and tired, you just tend to be a little bit less patient with people, a little more cranky, a little more willing to snap at people? Now, some of us may think, well, I'm, it's, it's not really who I am or what my real personality. I'm just hungry. I would say it's the opposite. When we're hungry and tired, it's a lot harder to maintain the facade of being good. It takes work. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. We should be good and kind and patient with each other. But the question is, is that really who you are, or is that something that you're trying to be, trying to do? Is there a disconnect between what's in your heart and what you show on the surface? Now, again, we're trying to be. We're trying to have in our heart what we show on the surface. At least I'd hope so. As C.S. Lewis talks about in Mere Christianity, he says, look, don't worry about asking yourself if I genuinely love my neighbor or not. It's a waste of time, simply because you may or may not. But simply ask yourself this question. If I love my neighbor, what would I do? How would I act? And then go do it. And you'll find that those feelings follow afterwards. Change happens. Sometimes change needs to happen outside in. However, Sometimes we can be so focused on the facade that we start to believe it's internal as well. 
and we deceive ourselves into thinking we're a lot better people than we actually are. Fasting strips away that external control when we're hungry and we're tired and we're stressed and we're not quite as strong with that putting up that facade. Fasting strips that away. It shows us what's really in our hearts. It's like C.S. Lewis also analogized when he talked about how the fact that when you, run, when you go down to your cellar and you flip on the light, all the cockroaches scurry under the, under the counters. You don't see them. They're there, but you don't see them. Sometimes we need to be able to go into our cellars and see the cockroaches that are there. Because all we, if all we are is people who are strong enough and flipping on the light, we never see the cockroaches, and we find ourselves, we find ourselves deceiving ourselves. That's what fasting does. Fasting strips that away and helps us see our cellars with all the cockroaches. Another reason for fasting is it reminds us where our strength comes from, where our subsistence comes from. It comes from God, not just ourselves. When we eat and we provide for ourselves, we we are providing food for ourselves. We are sustaining ourselves. It's very self-reliant. Now, this is, again, obviously not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually, in general, a pretty good thing. But we often can deceive ourselves into thinking that it's all about me. I take care of myself. This is what makes the temptation of the first temptation of Jesus so powerful. Is Jesus was tempted to sustain himself. As he repeatedly said, particularly in the book of John, over and over and over again, it is not I, but the Father in me. The whole message of Jesus' life was to show us how to submit to the Father. And so Satan tempts Jesus with, take care of yourself. You don't need the Father. You can handle this all on your own. You're hungry? Make yourself some bread. Sustain yourself. It's normal. People do it all the time. I mean, they may not turn stones into bread, but they do make bread all the time. They take care of themselves. We take care of ourselves. Except our sustenance doesn't come from us. As Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's something that we often forget, and fasting helps remind us of that. Finally, fasting, by stripping away something that is essential, food, it shows us what isn't essential. If I can go without food for a couple days, I can probably watch a lot less TV. If I can go without food for a couple days, I don't need to stay up as late. If I can go without food for a couple days, what else can I cut out of my life? What else is getting in the way of my relationship with God? What else is crowding God out of my life? By taking something away, it opens us up to a whole new set of possibilities and options. Less is more. So, when do we fast? As I said earlier, you don't fast just because. Now, some people have found a weekly 24-hour fast a helpful thing in their spiritual life. And if that works for you, awesome. If it's connecting you with God, awesome. Go for it. But we don't see that kind of fasting in the Bible. The only consistent ritual fast is the Day of Atonement, which happened once a year. 
Now, the Jews fasted twice a week, and Jesus kind of called them out on it. It became hollow, stale, ritualistic. And that's something you want to desperately avoid. So when did people fast in the Bible? In Judges 26, the uh, Israelites during the Benjamite War fasted. They had fought a battle against the Benjamites and gotten themselves soundly trounced, despite the fact that they felt God calling them to war to avenge a crime that we are not going to go into with children present. You can read about it in Judges later. It's probably the worst story I've ever read in my life. It is truly disturbing. But the point is, they fought this battle, lost badly, after asking God if they should go to war or not. And he said yes. And they're like, wait a minute, what just happened? They were confused. They were defeated. A lot of people were dead. So they fasted. What's going on? Later, after the Ark of... Uh, during the time of Samuel, at the very beginning of Samuel's ministry, after the ark had been come back from the Philistines, they fasted as part of a national revival. In addition to fasting, they threw away foreign gods. They rededicated themselves to Yahweh. Another fast is a couple in the time of David. David fasted after Jonathan and Saul had been killed. He also fasted before his illegitimate son by Bathsheba died. Ezra and Nehemiah both fasted to personally in response to seeing the chaos and disorganization of the returned exiles. And then they led national fasts in repentance for sin. Daniel fasted in response to some very bizarre dreams he had and didn't understand in Daniel 7, 8, and 9. Esther fasted for three days before going before Xerxes. Jesus, of course, fasted for 40 days before, going, before starting his ministry after his baptism. Similarly, Moses fasted for 40 days when he was receiving pretty much the entire Pentateuch from God on the mountain. Elijah fasted for 40 days running from Jezebel. After Jesus' ascension... Uh, most notably, Paul fasted for three days after his conversion. And then just before Paul and Barnabas were sent out on missionary juries, the, the church fasted again, wondering who should they send. And after Paul miraculously survived getting stoned, the church fasted again in Acts chapter 14. What do these all have in common? These are momentous moments in a person's life, in a church's life, in a nation's life. We always need God, yes, of course. But there are moments where we need God more than others. To simply just say, well, we always need God is true, but it's incomplete. Because it, with that comes the idea that life follows a simple, straight line. We all know life has its ups and its downs. And there are moments where we need God more than others. There are moments where we find ourselves facing disaster. There are moments we find ourselves standing in a crossroads not knowing which way to turn. There are moments we find ourselves facing a challenge we don't know how to overcome. There are moments where we find ourselves so far from God, so lost from God, we're not sure how to get back. These are the peaks. Mostly these are the valleys. Are you facing a crossroads? Fast. Fast. 
Are you facing a challenge you can't beat? Fast. Are you facing, are you, is your face in the dirt and you're being stomped on by life? Fast. Do you want to come back to God and don't know how? Fast. These are the moments we need to fast because these are the moments we need God more than any other. We always need God, but there are moments we need Him a little more than, than, than usual. Fasting is about opening ourselves up to God. It's about stripping away everything, essential and non-essential. And there are many ways we can fast. We can fast from TV. We can fast from video games or books or driving for, or whatever it is that you feel you need to cut out of your life. But there is something special about fasting from food. Because food is something that we need to live. When we fast from something that's non-essential, there is a little bit that's lost in the whole idea of fasting, which is, again, relying totally on God to get us through. So what's special about food fasts. And that's what fasting is about. It's about relying ourselves on God. It's about putting ourselves in front of God and saying, here I am, I got nothing, help me. Let's figure this out. I don't know where to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get back. I don't know how to get fo- go forward. Fasting is about cutting everything out and focusing solely, 100%, on God. Fasting is about understanding Every now and then, less is more.